Well, hi, everybody, and welcome to this episode of Shuforia, the podcast where footwear myths are made and busted. I'm your host, Simon Barthold. I'm delighted to be with you, and I have got a massive treat for you today. We will be speaking with two gentlemen by the names of Dave Dombro and Kevin Fallon, who have a huge history in the footwear industry. They've both worked for Nike, for Puma, for Under Armour, and they've now gone out on their own and done the unthinkable and created their own footwear brand called Speedland. At the moment, Speedland has only one product. It's a trail running product. But boy, is it a trail running product. It comes in at 375 US dollars and it is an inarguably the most sophisticated trail running shoe I've ever seen. There's a fascinating insight here. You'll learn about their background. To call them industry veterans would be an insult. They are absolute icons in the industry and they have massive influence. In fact, Dave Dombro was responsible for the Steph Curry signature series of basketball boots. I know you're going to enjoy these series, so sit back and relax and have a good listen. Please remember to have a look at our social media channels on Instagram, on LinkedIn, Facebook, and also our YouTube channel. And also please have a look at our website, www.bartolclinical.com. And in particular, if you're interested in athletic footwear, have a look at either our textbook, Athletic Footwear, The Comprehensive Guide, or our masterclass, some 30-odd hours of CPD, all on athletic footwear. I know you'll enjoy it, so get onto the website and check it out. And if you like the look of it, then hit the button and it will be yours. But for now, sit back, enjoy. I'm Simon Bartold, and today we have Dave Dombro and Kevin Fallon from Speedland. You're listening to the Shuforia podcast by Bartold Clinical. Listen in as we delve deep into the world of evidence-based sports science, sports medicine, and athletic footwear science. Let's go and bust some myths. Okay, well, thank you very much. I've got some really great guests with me today. I'd like to introduce you to Mr. Dave Dumbro and also Mr. Kevin Fallon. I wrote a little article on you guys the other day and I said that you're often described as industry veterans and I, and I said I'm not sure whether that's a compliment or an insult, but one thing is for sure, you've certainly both been really involved in the footwear industry for a long time with history with well, Salomon actually for Dave, the first internship I learned just a moment ago, and then progressing through Puma, Nike, Under Armour. And now created your own company, which is called Speedland, which we're going to get to in just a moment. A really incredible history of involvement in the athletic footwear industry. So welcome, fellas. Thank you very much for joining me. Maybe what I would like to ask you both is to maybe just give us a thumbnail sketch of what you have done and what's led you to this journey with Speedland or what's led you to this point with Speedland over the years. So perhaps, Dave, I'll start with you and then we'll. I've got a couple of specific questions for Kevin, but maybe we'll start with you. So tell us a bit about your journey in footwear. Yeah. Once Kevin chimes in as well, you'll see there's quite a bit of crossover between us, which is ultimately what gets us to Speedland. But I guess I would say, you know, I did intern in Solomon, but my first job coming out of school was uh, Nike. And specifically, I was doing Nike basketball, did that for a number of years. And that's actually where I first met Kevin. And Kevin was on the innovation side at that time at Nike basketball. So that's where we kind of first crossed paths. From there, eventually we both separately, I guess, made our way to Puma. I was kind of heading up design in the 
Boston office, Puma is obviously a German company, but they had a Boston office where they were doing quite a bit of design work. And then of course they had a German office. Kevin was out of that office heading up design. So we worked quite closely, say across an ocean there for Puma for a number of years on many different sports, including running. From there, we moved somewhat together, I guess you'd say to Under Armour. The story continues. Uh, Again, I I was kind of heading up design on the footwear side and Kevin was heading up innovation on the footwear side. This kind of continuous partnership continued and we were at Under Armour quite a long time and working across many different categories, again, being a a big focus of Under Armour and and building a running category. So that's kind of a quick snapshot of on the professional side and I'll let Kevin jump in. Hang on, I've got a couple of quick questions for you. So just to flesh this out a bit, there have been a couple of of pretty important projects you've worked on. One of the projects I know you worked on at Under Armour was the speed form, particularly the Apollo. I thought that was a really innovative shoe, actually. I thought that whole speed form range was the Gemini onwards, I thought was really underrated. I don't know whether it got rated at all, but I thought it was really interesting. (laughs) We hope it got rated. Well, I was quite disappointed because it seemed to me that after that line came out, Under Armour kind of changed direction. They couldn't decide whether they really wanted to be in running or not. That was an external sort of, I guess, opinion. Yeah, I thought that range was really interesting and had great potential to change a lot of the way we thought. And then you worked on a, a shoe for a bloke called Stephen Curry in basketball. So you were very involved in developing his signature basketball shoe, weren't you? Yeah, I was. I mean, that was a great experience. Anytime you're designing for an elite athlete within any sport, it's a great experience because you're kind of working with the pinnacle of that sport and you're really getting into that what we call aggregation of marginal gains where you're really trying to optimize this, what some people would consider minutia, but that little optimization might be what actually gets Steph to make that three-pointer or helps in some way. So helps a sprinter or whatever it could be. So yeah, very fortunate to be involved with Curry. Obviously, great athlete, great person. Going back to Speedform, that was a project that Kevin and I worked on together. And that's probably one of our, I would say, in my most proud moment, I wouldn't want to speak for Kevin, but I would say out of our career, that's definitely a project that stands out as something that was different. And we learned a lot from that. So Yeah, just to, I mean, my observation working with elites in developing footwear is that if you get the right person, they can just their feel for what they can bring to the project is quite important. Was Steph Curry one of those guys that he just was able to really feed in information for you as a designer that you could directly translate onto the page? He was, maybe not initially, <laughs> yeah, especially when it's their first signature shoe. There's some trust that has to be gained, obviously, back and forth. So I would say it took a little time, but once we kind of had that rhythm, I would say that Steph was really good at giving feedbacks, especially when it came to what he was feeling proprioception-wise, underfoot, that was really important. And he was very articulate about that. And as the time went on and we did more signature shoes and some of those I was involved, some of them I wasn't, I was still there, but more from a management side, I could see Steph even giving more input, right? And, and developing and becoming even more articulate. So that's the great thing. The longer you, you build that relationship and the longer you work with an elite, you build that trust and then they give you even more back. Yeah, that's, that's fantastic because th- those guys really are worth their weight in gold. Well, Kevin, we might pass the baton over to you now and just have a bit of a chat on where you've come from. Again, I've done a bit of Google researching here on you and your background, interestingly enough, is in mechanical engineering, I believe. Right. Yeah. I grew up with a love for pretty much anything that I could do and do fast. Loved cars and planes and boats. And so 
I really thought coming out of high school that being an engineer was the way to get close to those kinds of things. And I guess I was good enough at math to get into an engineering program. So I did that. And as I was about halfway through, I got exposed to an art school. Brown University shares a campus with the Rhode Island School of Design. And I was fortunate to take some classes at at RISD and it really opened my eyes to this whole other world that was out there. And I was far enough along with engineering. I did finish it up and fortunate, I think, to be able to be exposed to some really smart people and learn a lot of interesting ways of thinking through engineering, though I never became a, a practicing engineer. I went right to Art Center after Brown and fell in love with product design. I just loved the problem solving that it represented and really felt like I found my tribe when I was at Art Center. And so coming out of Art Center, I still had a love for transportation design in that field, but I had good friends, one in particular who was at Nike, and he said, hey, you got to come up and check this place out. Just come and get an interview and, and see what it's like. And it was hard not to fall in love with the Nike campus. And there were just some amazing people and energy there at that time in the late 90s. And I took the job thinking I would do footwear for a little while and and move on to something else. And 25 years later, here we are and we're (laughs) starting our own brand. So it's kind of surreal in, in that way. But what I love about footwear and continue to love is just that kind of intersection of there's technical problems to solve. If you love engineering and you love material science, there's just loads of stuff that you can apply to footwear. If you don't love that, if you just love the aesthetic and the look of that product, that's a whole nother way to approach it. So it just never got old. It never got, it has never gotten tired for me in that way. There's constantly problems to solve. You're constantly inspired by the athletes and the things that they're doing and raising their game. And that makes you feel like, well, I want to help them be a part of that. And and I think ultimately that's kind of in a long-winded way through Puma and through Under Armour, what led us to Speedland was just this sort of unwavering dedication to performance product. That's what both Dave and I love. And when it came time to maybe do something else after 20 some years in corporate life, which I have no complaints about. I really enjoy working for different companies, but eventually came to a point where you think, well, it's kind of now or never. Let's see if we can do these things that we want to do and do them our way. For us, that meant, what if we just took this idea that you have to build price point or you have to make compromises? Like, what if we took that off the table? What if we built this no compromise product and built it for trail runners who we felt were underserved. There's a ton of R&D in the market, but it tends to go toward road running. We've just been personally inspired and and love the outdoors. And so we felt like, hey, here's this market. We love it. We think consumers deserve better. Let's put our heads together and see if we can uh, do something different. Yeah, look, a lot of that resonates with me. And so now I've got a very clear picture of you. So I'm going to, I'm going to consider you as the Gordon Murray of the footwear industry. So yeah. I hope that you are currently driving a McLaren F1. We're going to call the new Speedland trail shoe the McLaren F1 of trail running because it seems nice. like that's, wow. that's really where it's at. We'll take that. We'll take that. Are you okay with that concept? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so look, that's a nice little segue into this project. So... First of all, before we get onto the shoe, just tell us a little bit about your impressions of the trail running landscape. I mean, it's obviously a sport that Australia is completely flat, of course, apart from the mountains and hills. But So we don't actually do a lot of trail running here, but obviously where you guys are in Portland, you've got fantastic trails, but it's a developing sport. I'm actually surprised it's not in the Olympic Games, actually, given 
the importance yeah. of cross-country running and the elevation of the sport. But tell us a little bit about the landscape of trail running. Well, I, I mean, I think you just hit on something that we talk about a lot, that mm-hmm. it is underserved. And a lot of R&D, predominantly at the big brands, is put into road running, right? The R&D is not going into trail running at a lot of the big brands. And that's just the honest truth. And so what happens if we take our focus and we focus it and, and put the all of our R&D and all of our focus on trail running and really try to do something that's innovative and different? And that's when we looked at the trail landscape and the white space that's out there, that's what we saw. We saw a lot of good trail shoes on the market already. But as far as innovative R&D, we're talking about the next percents and the four percents and things that everybody's talking about and seeing, that just wasn't really showing up in the trail world. And if it was showing up in some way, maybe it wasn't showing up in a trail specific way. Right. It was showing up as an adaptation of what was on the road. And that for us just wasn't good enough. We thought, yeah. hey, I think we can do something better and let's go for it. Yeah, I was very interested to see only a few days ago that Nike have just released a product that they're marketing as a hybrid shoe. So they're marketing it as a trail running shoe that you can go road running in. And to me, that's a little bit like saying, well, here's a pair of alpine skis that you can go Nordic skiing on. I don't see that you can separate them. To me, they're different sports. They're different biomechanics, different terrain, different athletes. I do think you do need specific wear for the event. All righty. So... That's a good overview. So now tell us what you've done with Speedland. Well, I mean, what we've done with Speedland is try to create the ultimate no compromise trail shoe. And when we say that to us, what that means first and foremost is we're minimalists. We want to simplify and we want to make the simplest possible shoe. And so that means the minimal components. And then with each component that we're choosing, we looked for the best possible solution for that thing. Each component serves a function. So the outsole is traction and stability. And so who's going to be the best partner to go with for the outsole? And we chose Michelin for a couple of reasons. We get great compounds, global service, but they also had a couple of technologies like the cuttable blocks that we saw from their downhill mountain bike racing tires, where they had steps in the lugs that allowed them to trim the lugs based on the trail conditions right on that day. And when we saw that, we thought, well, we've never seen this in trail, but it's really analogous where if it's wet, you might want to leave them long. But if it's dry, you can shorten them up and save some weight or selectively remove some height. That seems like something that this consumer would really appreciate. So that's an example. And we went through that same with the carbon plate. We didn't just say, okay, what well, carbon is in the Nike next percent? We said, well, what do we want the carbon to do for a trail runner? How is it different from the biomechanics that are on the road? The road is really repetitive steps over and over, fairly predictable from a foot strike standpoint. And trail is not always like that. And it's rarely like that. And so for us to find a carbon that was stiff and propulsive when you're towing off in a traditional sense, but which was compliant in the other direction, this DFX material that they make is is asymmetric and it's pretty special. And we felt like this is a great application for trail where you don't have to sacrifice trail feel in order to get a propulsive element out of a carbon plate. So that was why we selected Carbotex for the carbon plate and, and on and on. On to the BOA closures. For us, choosing BOA was a question of precision closures that you can do on the fly. We hear from the athletes that they want to adjust their fit on the fly because their feet change, 
the terrain changes, they're running a steep technical downhill, they might do something very different with their lacing than they would do when they're running a, a flat gravel road. And the bow is really the only solution that allows them to do that quickly and on the fly. And furthermore, bow has got studies in agility that show up to a seven to nine percent efficiency gain when you aren't sliding around inside your shoe during agility drills. Now we know mountain running isn't exactly agility, but even if it's one or 2% that you can gain from a better closure on the long runs, we want athletes to have that kind of benefit. So that's kind of the mentality we took and that's what led us to choose the parts that we chose and even into the assembly and how the shoe goes together, for instance, didn't glue the carbon plate to the midsole because we didn't want that to be like a laminated structure. One, because we can take it apart more easily at the end of life, but from a performance standpoint, it allows the carbon not to be inhibited by being glued to a foam. It can be as lively as it is naturally, and likewise, the foam can do its part without being hampered by being glued to a piece of carbon. So we were very intentional and deliberate in the construction and our selection of materials. And then, began the real work. I mean, that was honestly <laughs> not the hard part. The hard part was then getting it on the athletes and getting them to validate that it's working as we intended, right? Because you can get the best assembly of products, but you don't want a dream team that doesn't perform well, right? You want to have something that is greater than the sum of its parts. And that's where I would say we kind of use the lens of the athlete to make sure that we're doing what we think we're doing. Yeah. So if you don't think mountain running is an agility sport, you've clearly never seen Killian Jornet run, whose grandfather's <laughs> obviously right. a mountain goat. I mentioned the carbon fiber plate. So if I'm understanding this, it, it's not glued within, is that correct? No. It's, free, it's free floating. It's right. just secured in the heel. Right. Yeah. Okay. That's really interesting. We did at Salomon, we did a similar thing when we were looking at vibration with materials and we found it, that was quite important. Oh, are we going to get a look at it? Here we go. That is the plate. So you simply just kind of rotate the plate and then you can pop it right off. That's fantastic. So, kind of an undercut little plug there. And then the carbon is stiff this way and exponentially gets stiffer as you tow off, but it's quite flexible, really right. rather and, easy to bend. And, the other way. and torsionally it's designed to be quite flexible as well for changes in direction. Exactly. Beautiful. We split it in the forefoot to further articulate to make sure that, that we didn't get too big of a lever across the forefoot. Yep, that's really cool. I love the concept of adaptability with this product. I think obviously this is, hasn't been done before and I do get frustrated when I read shoe running reviews which are one person's opinion relating to one person. It, it makes it very difficult and I think that when you've got a product like this where you can adapt it to not only terrain needs but also athlete needs, then you're in a whole new ballpark there. It's, it's very, very interesting. Yeah, and I think we've seen that with our elite athletes in different races, actually. We've seen elite athletes take the shoe, run a 50K salt flats race, and then they will take the same shoe and tweak it and change those different, like whether it's the plate or whether it's the lugs, and they'll go run Leadville with it. Mm. So something that's a complete, almost opposite race, they can take the same shoe and perform. So pretty unique. It's never been, a lot of things have never been done on it, but it's actually proven out by the athlete and this isn't like kevin said it's not something we just dreamed up in our garage here it actually is being proven out in world-class races so yeah no that's fantastic so i'm kind of interested in where it goes from here so obviously at the moment you have one product and one focus and that is a specific innovative trail running shoe 
Are you guys going to stick with trail or do you have plans to maybe trail as your focus? Trail's our focus, yeah, but 100%. I think we always talk about we'll get pulled where our athletes pull us, basically. So mm-hmm. today it's trail running shoes. There's a lot of great hydration packs out there. So <laughs> take this as more of an example. But if the athletes came and they said, oh, you know, this could be better in my hydration pack and we'd listen. And it's all about making something better for the athlete and actually making something that's tangibly going to help them perform better. So that's how we're R&D works. And that's how we kind of look future outward is where the athlete's going to take us. But we really are focused on the outdoors and trail. And I don't think that's going to change anytime soon. No, I think we intentionally want to be in this space and serve this athlete. And again, if they come and say they need a different shoe, let's say this shoe doesn't do something for them, we, we would absolutely listen and develop something based on that. But that's how we're going to do it. We're not going to do it in a, I'll say a typical corporate sense of like, oh, well, we have to grow the line this way and we need to hit this price point. That's just not how we want to work yeah. at this brand. We yeah, want to no. fill a need that's not being filled right now. And when we do that, we want to do it with product that is elevated and better than anything that's out there. Yeah, well, look, I honestly think that's the vacuum in the market. We have been in a bit of a innovation vacuum for a while. And I think you two guys are real innovators in the industry and it's shining through in the product. So congratulations. I just I think it looks, I haven't seen the shoe, but I think from what I, I have researched and it, it looks absolutely fantastic. So we, I promised I wouldn't keep you for more than half an hour, but I can't leave you without asking you for your thoughts on what's going on over in Tokyo. We're seeing some pretty interesting stuff with footwear there. It's a pretty amazing Olympics. Right? I mean, we love performance footwear, right? It, whether it's ours or not, right? It doesn't matter. And, and that's why we've been huge fans of shoes like the Next Percent and Alpha Fly. These are products that measurably improve performance and, and to see it happening. And again, at this Olympics and, and the spike, it's been really cool and seeing the different brands and their different responses this is what it's all about yeah i'm actually quite disappointed that nike pulled the viper fly i just thought that yeah. when i first saw that show i just thought wow that's, yeah, that's that is cool. yeah that would look pretty amazing <laughs> it, it, it <laughs> an amazing design <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely incredible good. what i'm doing here is i'm keeping a little manufacturer's metal tally so yeah. you know how they have the table for the countries and you know you have the winner etc so I've got a little metal tally here. I'm going to publish it later on. But I have to say that Nike are just, they're just blowing it out of the water here. This is only in running, but obviously what they're... About, what about Puma? I mean, alumni of both places, but I think I was a little more surprised by Puma showing than Nike. I mean, we yeah. knew Nike would dominate. They're making great product. Puma's, Puma's doing some things. To yeah. see Puma yeah. doing as much as they're doing, both in their road running line has been well yeah. received. And then to see their spikes do well. I mean, I was yeah. impressed and surprised. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I think New Balance were talking themselves up a bit, but New Balance is looking really good too right they, now. They, I think. Uh, they, yeah, they've had, they've had some nice <laughs> moments for sure too. Yeah. yeah, their road shoes are really strong right now too. Yeah. I, yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure Puma would be pretty happy with the men's 400 meter hurdles moment. That was something pretty special. Oh my gosh! Oh, in yeah, in all, the, really all the times I've been watching the Olympics, so I'm not sure I've seen anything that was that good. It was incredible. Yeah. yeah. All right, guys. Well, look, I'll let you get on with your day. I really appreciate your time. So Dave Dombro and Kevin Fallon, thank you so much for joining me. Best of luck with the project. I'll be following you with great interest. I'm sure it will be a huge success. So congratulations and thank you very, very much for joining me this evening, your time and this morning, my time. Well, thanks for having us. Thanks for joining us for the Shoe Warrior podcast by Bartold Clinical. Join us next time 